Thanks for joining us for the Sermon of the Week. You can find out more information about Legacy Church online at LegacyFamily.tv. You know, the Lord just sets things up. The, the Lord put something on Jericho's heart to testify. She won't testify about life groups. And I said, well, hey, we're launching life group Sunday, so come on, Jericho. We're going to let her testify uh, what God's been doing in her. Give her a hand clap. Her and Buddy are awesome. Y'all perfect, you know. It's just awesome. Look at I'm just messing with her now. <laughs> we love y'all. Here you go. Okay. So when I first came to Legacy in October of last year, I was suffering with the worst case of depression I think I've ever had. Um, I come here with an empty cup. I had nothing. And all this time I thought I was a Christian and that I knew what I was doing. And what I was really doing was starting completely over. <laughs> so when we came in and we signed up to be a part of the church, I told Buddy that we needed to commit to all of it and try everything until we find what fits. So I signed up for pretty much every life group. <laughs> I didn't get to go to all of them, but I did want to say thank you to the ones that I did. Uh, because of Ladies and Lattes with Miss Brittany, I learned how to feed myself with the Word. Uh, work a Bible app and be able to find things that are meaningful that I can fit into my life and help others with. Um, because of family night with Lahoma, Kyle, and Amy, I learned how to find wisdom and worship. Um, marriage on the Rock, Kayla and Caleb, I learned how to honor God in my relationship. And June the 24th, I got married to the man of my dreams. Because of daring faith with Miss Keene and Casey, I learned how to hold my shield of faith and how to pray in the spirit. And because of keys to freedom with Heather and Sierra, I learned how to hear God. And it's been a faucet that has not caught off since. <laughs> and I am the happiest I've ever been. My cup is full and to the point where it's running over and that I've been inspired by all these wonderful people at this church. And that I'm telling you now, Christian, that if you're out there and you're alone, you don't have to be. There are people here in this church, and that this statement means so much. Uh, Proverbs 27, 17 came to mind this morning, that iron sharpens iron. And there is nothing but iron here and God. Thank you. Hallelujah. Come on, give her a hand clap. Woo! Man, God is doing a work. You know, he wants to do a work in you. He wants to take us all to the next level. Isn't that awesome? Well, Pastor Paul's coming. God bless you. Come on, give him a hand clap. Love you. Love you, brother. What's up, everybody? You doing good? A few of you? Awesome. Man, it's so good to be here. Um, we, we love coming up to Withfield and this area and uh, but you know, one of our favorite things about being here, and and I'm and I'm not just saying it is, is the people. We love Pastor Brett, Miss Lisa. We love the church. It's such an honor to be here, and uh, and so it's actually a highlight on our calendar every year. Is whether I ever got a chance to come and preach or not, we just love coming up here. We love Pastor Brett so much, and Miss Lisa, and we go way back, and and, uh, and I don't want to rehearse all of that for those of you that have heard me before, but we go way back. And uh, it's just so cool to see what God's doing in the church here and, and, and through their leadership. I know you know this, but you've got some of the best pastors on the planet. And, uh, and so, <clears throat> matter of fact, when, we, when you got up a minute ago, I, I just saw something in my spirit. And it actually is kind of humorous a little bit, but I believe it's also the Lord, and, uh, which is how the Lord uses me sometimes. But I don't know if you all remember last time we were here, we went hiking. You remember the hiking trip? And, uh, and so the hiking trip, we got totally like, I don't know, we got totally lost, but we hit some dead ends and we weren't sure, like it was nighttime, there was a storm rolling in, we were up on a mountain and, and I was preparing my family, I had all my kids there, I was preparing them, hey, we're going to survive y'all, we got, you know, we're going to, we got to hunker down by a tree and eat locusts, we're going to, we're going to, it's going to be all right. And, uh, and so, um. But, you know, it's funny because I saw that when we were there. But I don't, when we got up to the top and it seemed like we were at a dead end, you discovered a path. And I saw that in my spirit. 
And it's almost like, like in this area and in this church, you went through a season where it seemed like you were at a dead end, but the Lord's deposited a vision in you, and it's the compass of where God wants you to go. And it's a path that, it's, and it's just like God, it's a path that's already been there in the Spirit. That path was there, we just couldn't see it, it was covered, but God revealed it. And it's funny because your temperament during all of that, you were a visionary. Even in that moment, there was a compass in you that didn't, you didn't get dismayed, you didn't get discouraged. It was like, y'all, it's going to be all right. We're going to find our way out of here. I'm a country boy. We can do this. And, and it's, like, it's like, but God's put that pioneer on the inside of you that almost when you can hit a dead end, you know that God's got provision somewhere. And it's, you're a pioneer of faith. And you've got the compass of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you and Miss Lisa. And I'm just telling you in front of the church, I believe that you guys are going somewhere. And if you ever feel like you've hit a dead end, I promise you, just look to him. because Not because he's so great, but because I know he's following Jesus. And when, even Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. And I feel like that's the example and the legacy that's being, that's being built here. And so you guys are going somewhere. I'm telling you, I know it, and you know, I know things in the natural, but I'm telling you, Legacy Church, man, you guys have got such an uh, a, a incredible atmosphere right now that I believe is so conducive for what God wants to do, that there's something exploding, and, and it's about people. Listen, it's not about an empire, it's about the kingdom. And I love that heart about this church and about your pastors is, is that he's not about building something for man, he's about building everything for the kingdom of God. And I just don't think you can go wrong with that. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Lord. Listen, I, I, I also want to honor my wife, um, wife of uh, 19 years this past June. Yeah, we got married when we were two. And um, it's one of those arranged things. And so, but um, anyway, man, just beautiful wife, uh, partner in crime, and, and just love doing life with her. And, uh, and so we uh, just actually took over the leadership role uh, at Living Word Church. Pastor Glenn actually was just here um, uh, last month, I believe, isn't that right? And, uh, and so Pastor Glenn Rogers is my pastor uh, who was the founder of the church that we're at. And uh, I served him for uh, 20 years. And, uh, and then uh, about a year and a half ago, took over the senior role there at the church. And um, just an amazing man. And, uh, and so they send their love from Living Word in Mansfield, Louisiana. You got family in Louisiana, whether you know it or not, and they love you, and they're praying for you this morning and all the time. Amen? Um, I wanted to uh, uh, share on a couple of things today that, uh, did I say your name? I said my wife. Her name is Casey, for those of you that don't know. It was on the, I was like, my beautiful wife, Casey. And uh, anyway... Sorry, those are those things. If I don't get it out now, I'll, be going, I'll go at the end of the service. I'll, I'll criticize myself because of all the things I didn't say. I want to make sure I tell everybody who she is, Casey. And uh, so, but I wanted to share this morning. I, uh, I have had a word on the inside of me. I actually started with a series of messages at our church. I think it's real fitting for today for life groups and for the launch of this. And, um, and, and I, I want to unpack a couple of things to you today from a real popular passage of Scripture. Um, but it, it really started with us with, I, feel, I felt like the Lord was really pushing us as a church to realize that church was more than Sundays. You know, that, that church really is more than these couple of hours that we come into this building and we attend. And as great and powerful as it is, and I'm not devaluing that because what happens sometimes is we go from one ditch to the other and you can push something so much that it can seem like this has no value. Let me tell you something. What we're doing today is extremely important. And, and, but I also want us to understand that as a church, that, that it, there's so many different elements that we have to be careful and we have to really focus and be intentional on as a church body and as a church family. And, and what I've realized that in today's culture and in our world that we live in today, one of the really big things is, is that there's such a pull on our time and there's such a pull on our life as believers that sometimes this is all we got. And, and I want you to understand that there are some real valuable things that we need to pay attention to because we've been designed to live not just for Sundays, but for Monday through Saturday. Like, I don't know if you know this or not, but as a believer, God's actually wired you and designed you to be fruitful every day of your life. 
to actually go out in our world and make a huge difference, to live beyond this moment. I love serving at church, and I love local church, and I love this moment. It's actually one of my favorite days of the week. I love getting together and having services together. But I also love knowing that God's actually put a grace on my life to wake up on Monday and to to still see God move and to see the gifts of the Spirit and to see God in operation and to see lives changed and, and designed us to actually have a greater influence, if you will, Monday through Saturday than we actually even do here on Sunday morning. We did a series of messages called Made for Mondays, and we just talked about being fruitful. And I came across this passage of scripture, um, this, this real popular uh, parable, um, and it's in Matthew chapter 21. I want you to turn there, if you would, real quick. Matthew 21. Let me get all my pages out here. We're going to start with Uh, We're just going to read verse 18 and 19. And uh, to kind of set this up, Jesus has just entered Jerusalem. He's in the last days of his life now. And this is, he just had the triumphant entry in Jerusalem where they were praising him and honoring him. And he's actually just cleansed the temple And he's in these last few days of his life here on earth before he goes to the cross. And so there's these things that happen that I think are really important to pay attention to. And there's this story here that's actually listed in a couple of the other Gospels, and it's called the the parable or the story. It's not a parable. It's actually the story, or some Bibles would call it the lessons of the fig tree. And, And so there's this moment as he's walking with his disciples, and he, uh, he has this encounter, and, and I've heard this preached a, a ton of times, and, and I've heard it lots of different ways, and, and, um, but the Lord really elevated a couple of things in me about this. One of the things that we always lean to in this passage, a lot of us, especially those of us that have grown up in Word of Faith churches and, and, and praise God for the faith message, but one of the things that we, that we lean to a lot of times in this passage is we lean to the confession side of this and the faith side of this story where Jesus actually turns and he curses this fig tree and then it withers up and then he goes and he teaches this faith lesson. He talks about having faith, uh, you know, to be able to move mountains and, to, and, and, he, and, he, and he unpacks this, this, um, this, this truth and principle about faith and speaking and confessing and speak to the mountain. And so all of this is unpacked there. But... There's some other parts of this story that I think we've got to go back and pay attention to, and I think it has everything to do with what you're launching today, talking about not doing life alone. In Matthew chapter 21 and verse 18, it says, Early in the morning as Jesus was on his way back to the city, he was hungry. Everybody just say hungry. He was hungry. Like some of y'all will be here in just a few minutes thinking about lunchtime. He was hungry. In verse 19, it says, Seeing a fig tree by the road, he went up to it, but found nothing on it except leaves. Then he said to it, May you never bear fruit again. Immediately the tree withered. And I was just thinking about this passage and just, it was you know part of our series and just thinking about where did God show me some things? Where does this fit? And one of the things that obviously was elevated here was the condition of this fig tree and why Jesus was mad at it. Like, why did Jesus get so aggressive with a fig tree? Like, what, there's got to be, and I understand the whole faith principle, God, but there's got to be something else to this that I'm just not seeing. What, what's the big deal here? And so, you know, just going and studying this and looking at context and fig trees and, you know, all this kind of stuff and just began to see some truth here. You know, obviously, it pointed out a couple of words that we need to pay attention to. The first thing it said is that Jesus was hungry. So the whole reason that he was even eyeing the fig tree was because he thought it was going to produce something that was going to satisfy his hunger, but it didn't. But it looked like it should have. And so what Jesus was demonstrating here in front of his disciples is is that here's a fig tree 
that is supposed to have fruit on it. He would have never been, listen, he would have never been aggravated with the fig tree. He would have never even done this had the fig tree not supposed to have fruit. But evidently the fig tree appeared to the, to the eye from a distance that it should have fruit. It should have something to meet his need. And so if you go back and you research, especially there's different varieties of fig trees, but the fig trees in, in Israel at this time the, the, the way that they would develop is, is that the leaf would, uh, the fruit would come before the leaf. So whenever he saw leaves on the fig tree, he automatically assumed that there was going to be fruit on it. But he was dismayed because when he got closer, there was no fruit. And I was sitting there and I was thinking, I was like, you know, I'm not, I'm not the sharpest person in the world, but I was like, you know, God, maybe you're trying to tell me something about the church. Maybe you're trying to show me something that's relevant for my church and for the church maybe at large that maybe we live our lives so much and we live our lives, uh, you know, and we do great things and we do good things and there's an appearance of fruitfulness in our life. But when the world gets closer to us, they say, man, they, that's what I need. Maybe that's what I need or I need that. But whenever they get closer to us, there's nothing to meet the demand that they're hungry for something that only the church can provide, but yet they leave discouraged because there's no fruit on the tree. And I was like, man, Lord, I don't want to be that way. You know, I was, I was in uh, Papua New Guinea in, in 2005. I say that, and it just kind of makes me laugh whenever I say that. I don't know why. I was in Papua New Guinea in 2005. It was my first mission trip. I'm laughing because of the experience. It's kind of an inner, like, I know this experience Sorry, inside joke to myself. And so um, so my very first mission trip, like it wasn't Mexico, it wasn't, you know, um, you know, some uh, uh, dream center in the U.S. It, you know, it, it wasn't Brazil. You know, it wasn't, you know, I'm listing all these things because those are like, those are easy mission trips. I mean, all mission trips are great, but there's some that are starters. You know, I encourage our people, like, they're starter mission trips. If you've never been on one before, go to Costa Rica. It's kind of a mixture of missions and vacation. You know what I mean? It's like there's a little bit of a break in between some of the toughness, you know. And, um, and so I, I wouldn't recommend Africa. I wouldn't recommend Papua New Guinea because these are those places where you go and it's, it's, uh, it's a little bit more difficult. So I, I signed up with a friend of mine to go to Papua New Guinea. And when we got there, we realized that what we were going to be doing is that we were going to be building churches. Like we were going to be going and having revival at night, building churches during the day. And so when we got there, our group split up. In my group, we went up the mountain. And so our job was to go up there and go have services and then actually start working with the indigenous people there in Papua New Guinea and start helping them build a permanent structure. Up to this point, they just have a brush arbor. People are literally coming out of the bush. I mean, like people say that, like, man, they're coming out of the walls. No, like literally music starts playing. There's all this tall grass, and people just start walking through it. And you're just like, wow. And then it's full. It was an amazing experience. But one of the things that I realized was this is before, like a lot of y'all don't know me back in 2005. 2005 were my big years. My big years. They were my they were the years before I went on a little health journey, lost some weight. I wasn't a size large or medium. I was like a, you know, triple X. You know what I mean? Like I I was a big boy back then and and I wasn't built for heat. And I wasn't built for like a whole lot of heavy labor. You know, like when you talk about moving posts and building foundations and all that kind of stuff, I wanted to preach the gospel. I didn't want to build a church. I'm out there sweating, exhausted, probably near dehydration. And here's the thing is, is before we left, I, we had to buy water to bring because there is no running water. There is no electricity. We bathed in the river. They cooked but every kind of banana over an open fire. I mean, it was it was a legit like I felt like uh, Bear Grylls out there on a on a mission trip. I had my Swiss Army knife. I had my paracord. I was ready. It was you know I'm exaggerating a little bit, but it's, it's that's how it was. Huts and everything. Well, I, I remember we would we had to ration our water out. Because we only had so much and it had to last us. There was not a grocery store around the corner. There wasn't a Walmart or CVS or anything like that. It was like, 
you know, we had to ration this water out. And I remember I'd sneak a little bit, you know, from the team. I'd just pull a little bit over because I was, I was thirsty. And I remember we were out there working one day, and I was at my limit. I mean, I was just exhausted. I was sweat pouring. And all of a sudden, one of the little native guys, he ran up a palm tree, just scooted up it. And I was like, what's he doing? And then all of a sudden, he pulled a machete out of his waistband, and he started hitting the coconuts. And these coconuts started hitting, and they were green. They weren't brown like I was used to. They were green. They were young coconuts. And then they would take them, and they would just chop the very end of it off, and then you'd have a cup, and there was this liquid in it that they called kulau. And that, that kulau, it was like Gatorade is what they told me. It had a lot of electrolytes in it. And so... In the moment, I'm exhausted, but all of a sudden, these, these local guys, they obviously see me in pain, and they're bringing these coconuts over to me, and it was the most refreshing thing. I don't know if you've ever been thirsty or if you've ever been hungry for something. I mean, like, literally, I need something. Have you ever had the shakes before? Like, you, your blood sugar gets a little off. You're like, I need a candy bar. You know what I mean? Like, I need something. You know, I need something, some substance. And then whenever you get it, you're just like, oh. That's what I needed. That's like this picture right here. And so from that time on, as a matter of fact, I tried to climb one of the trees one time. And, and, the, and the mama of the village, she said, no, no, you're too big. And I was like, well, thanks. I appreciate it. So I had to rely on somebody else. So I would ever, there was a, a guy named Peter. He was our translator. And I'd say, Peter, can you get somebody to go get me some kulau, man? And so all of a sudden, the best sound in the world was coconuts hitting the ground. You know what? And, I start, and, I, and so when I was thinking about this, I was thinking about that moment, and I was like, you know what? It's hard for us to understand sometimes, especially those of us that have been in the church for a little while. We forget how desperate and hungry and thirsty people are. Like we forget sometimes that all they, they're looking for the coconuts to hit the ground. Like, like I, don't, I want something more than just appearance. I need substance. I need something that's a little bit bigger than, than um, you know, just... Uh, you know, some people are all talk and no game. You know, they, they wear all the right clothes and, you know, they, they wear all the right outfits and, you know, they step out on the basketball court and they got the headband and the high tops and all the high dollars. How many of you know you can go to the store and make yourself look professional? But when you step out on the court, that's a different story. You know, you can go buy the same golf clubs as all the pros swing on the PGA Tour. You can go and you can buy all that you want to to have the appearance of something, but until you step out there and do it, there's no substance. How many of you know that you can look like a Christian, you can act like a Christian, you can talk like a Christian, you can shalababa, raise your hands and run around the room, and all that is great, but if there's no fruit and no substance, we're going to leave the world empty. We're going to leave them dehydrated. We're going to leave them looking for something else. And that's why there's, I believe there's a lot of people that have been filling the voids with other things because we've been too busy appearing to be something but not having any fruit. Amen? And so what I want to do over the next few minutes is I want to just talk about being fruitful for just a second and some lessons from this, from this fig tree that might help us produce. That might help. And I don't, I know somebody like, what does this have to do with small groups? I promise you, we're going to bring it all back around. So just stay with me. I like this passage of scripture in Ezekiel 47, verse 12. I'm just going to read it to you here. It says, Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. Let me just introduce this one thought to you real quick. When you think about fruit, and you think about, let's say, fruit trees, fig trees, apple trees. I've had some great experiences driving four-wheelers in the wild up here and going and finding apple trees and picking fruit and eating it. Incredible. It's just amazing. We have fruit trees behind my parents' house, and they actually have some fig trees, and they have uh, plums and different things. It's pretty awesome to be able to go out and just pick fruit off a tree and, and eat it. But you know, one thing I've never seen is I've never seen a tree eat its own fruit. 
I've never seen in all my time of out looking at trees and, you know, out in the gardening area, I've never seen a tree reach down and eat its own fruit. This Ezekiel 47 is actually a prophetic picture of the local church today. The rivers of living water that flow from the sanctuary are the waters of the Holy Spirit. Even Jesus prophesied about and He said, out of your bellies will flow rivers of living water. And He said, the picture of my church is the church that is planted by the rivers that flow out of the sanctuary and they're going to bear fruit in their season. And that their fruit will never fail to meet the demand and that their fruit will be for food. Well, who's it food for? Others. Other people relationships, family. I don't know if any of y'all, another translation of that Ezekiel says that we will bear fruit that never fails to meet the demand. Does anybody have any demands in your life? If you've got kids and you've got a spouse, you've got demands. Come on, somebody. Y'all didn't shout me down good enough on that one. If you, I mean, just look inside your own four walls of your house. Casey comes home or I come home and Casey's like, what are we going to do about this? I'm like, I don't know. It begins to draw, begins to pull. And you know what? If I do everything in the natural and I don't have waters of living water that I'm drawing from and that I'm planted by and there's no fruit in my life, I'll never be able to meet the demands of life in my home. It'll overwhelm me. It'll stress me. It'll frustrate me. I'll live more bitter than I am better. I'll live overwhelmed and I'll underachieve and I won't walk in wisdom and I won't be gracious and I won't be patient. I won't be long-suffering. I won't be able to produce what needs to be produced in my home and in my life and with my kids. How many of you know kids will test you? And I have a choice to make. I can either be patient, long-suffering, and bear fruit. I can be gracious. I can show kindness. Or I can throw something across the room. I've done both. I'll just be honest. Some of y'all, you're judging me because you've never thrown anything. And some of y'all are like, "Mm mm-hmm, I've thrown some stuff. I mean, I, I, you know, it's just an outlet. I need something, you know. But you know what? The older, more mature I get as a believer, I realize that that's not the answer. That's not the fruit they need. They can get that from their football coach. They can get that from their friends. They can get that from TV. They can get that from anywhere. Everybody can respond angry. But how do I be gracious? How do I show love and kindness and mercy? How do I do that when they don't deserve it? How do I do that when, excuse me, I'm going to knock that table over here in just a second. I feel like I'm dancing around it. But how do I do that? The only way that I can do that is to get planted the only way that I can do that is be planted in the right place around the right people, amen, so that I can produce fruit in my life. And you can talk about all the other great things that church is about. But I can promise you this. God summed up our commandment in two things. He said, I want you to love God and I want you to love people. And one of the hardest things that I, I feel like sometimes the church wrestles with is loving people. And the reason why is because we don't have the fruit. We don't have the produce in our life to be able to meet the demands. The hardest, most um, um, cold, worldly person that we come in contact with have the same needs that we do. They want to be loved. I was one of those. And you know what broke me? It was, it was fruit of believers in my life that began to nourish me, satisfy me. That even whenever I disappointed people, there was this extension of grace and mercy in my life that I'd never seen before. And all of a sudden, it began to break me and began to draw me. The Bible says that it, the goodness of God draws men to repentance. Amen? So the world, they're looking for that. And I just want you to know, church, that we don't have the ability in ourselves to do it. But we have a place to get planted and a people to get planted by, and we have a, a, a God and a Savior and a Holy Spirit that will produce in us what we can't produce. Amen? So let's just think about this for a second. When you think about trees and being fruitful, there's a couple of things that matter. The first thing that matters is roots. Roots matter. Everybody say Roots. Roots matter. You know, one of the things that I've, I've, I've never done, 
is I, I've never driven by, we, we live in a neighborhood in, in, in our little area, it's a beautiful neighborhood, and, and some people take a lot of pride in their, in their flower beds. Is there anybody in here today, you, you've got the most, you, how many of y'all would say we've got the prettiest flower beds in the church? Come on, let's just go ahead and get it started right now. Come on. Oh, everybody's being all modest and all that kind of stuff. Okay, so I tell you what, point to somebody that you think has the most beautiful flower beds in the church. Anybody at all? I see one hand over there. I see, I see that guy right there. He's getting some fingers pointed at him over there. You will have. That's right. You know, you know, I, I admire beautiful flower beds and 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 you know, and, and in Louisiana. You know, we have longer seasons probably than you do here where everything is thriving and fruitful and growing and all that kind of stuff. And, and, um, and so, you know, our spring starts in February. You know, like it's like that's our, everything starts to turn green and starts to bud and all that kind of stuff. And so one of my favorite things to do is I like admiring those. We'll drive around the neighborhood and, you know, I wish mine looked like that. I mean, those are beautiful and that's awesome. But you know, one thing I've never done is I've never pulled into somebody's driveway, knocked on the door, had a conversation with them and then just looked at them and said, man, those roots are amazing. You've got the most beautiful roots I've ever seen. They're so deep. They're wide right? No. No. What do we admire? We admire the flowers. You see a fruit tree. What do you admire? Man, it is full of fruit. It's gorgeous. I mean, that fruit is just amazing. Those are the biggest apples I've ever seen. We don't say those roots have just got to be amazing, right? I know you know where I'm going with this. So, here's the thing is, is that even in the spiritual world, a lot of times we can admire all the surface things and we pay no attention to the things that actually produce those things on the surface. You know, you can look at people and see integrity and character and you can see this fruitfulness in their life and you can say, I'm going I'm to just start loving. I'm going to just start being patient. We can almost start just willing ourselves to start, I'm going to start doing this. But how many of you know fruit doesn't just start growing on a tree because a fruit tree says, I'm going to start bearing fruit. A fruit, fruit begins to be born on a tree. A tree begins to be fruitful because it has healthy roots. And I can tell you this, that if we want to be fruitful and we want to, man, we want to impact people around us and we want to people to be able to taste and see that the Lord is good, then it starts with our roots. It starts with where I'm planted. It starts with the kind of soil that I'm planted in. It starts with taking care of my roots, that I'm deciding I'm not going to be a surface Christian anymore, that I'm not going to bounce around from church to church. I'm not going to bounce around from doctrine to doctrine. I'm not going to believe this one minute and believe that the next minute. I've decided that before I even want to be fruitful, i got to get my roots in. My prayer, if I'm not grounded somewhere, man, if you're out here today and you're kind of on the surface and you're checking this thing out, I promise you that's good, you know, no pressure, but I do promise you this, that life, my my spiritual vitality takes on a whole nother level when my roots get deeper. That it almost starts where I'm trying, I have all this effort trying to be fruitful and I'm trying to do this when God just says, get your roots in. And if you just get your roots in, you'll find that the effort won't be as hard. If you'll get your roots in, you'll find that I've created this to be just like the tree. The tree doesn't have to work up the fruit. The tree produces because he's got roots in the ground. Amen? The other thing that we find even in this story here is we find that roots matter, but another thing that we find that matters is soil matters. And if you remember, those of you that have been around a little while, there's a little passage of Scripture in Mark chapter 4. It's called the parable of the sower. And Jesus actually breaks down this passage around verse 13, I think it is. And he begins to talk about the different types of soil. And he said that there's hard soil, there's shallow soil, and there's thorny soil, and then there's good soil. And if you look at this picture here on this passage of Scripture, just even where Jesus is is talking about this, 
Other translations say a couple of things about this fig tree. The first thing that they say is that it was by the wayside. You know what that means is that he was passing by somewhere and he wasn't in an orchard. He wasn't necessarily where fruit trees grow. He saw a, he, he was on his way. They were on the path and he saw a fig tree on the path. Well, if you go back and you look at the types of soil, that, that type of soil where that fig tree was growing was not conducive for it to be fruitful. Hard soil is not conducive for fruitfulness. Shallow soil is not conducive for fruitfulness. And the other type of soil that he talks about in Mark 4 is he talks about thorny soil. Well, thorny soil is the soil that's weighed down by anxieties, by stress, and by the deceitfulness of riches. I don't know if any of y'all can identify with that. That's the one that probably really provokes me the most in my own walk that I have to take inventory. Am I too busy? Am I just too weighed down? Am I too anxious? Am I chasing things I don't need to be chasing? If I find myself always saying, I don't have time for people, I don't have time for life groups, I don't have time for this, I don't have time for Bible study, I don't have time for that, my life is just too out of control, then maybe I need to take some inventory and make some tough decisions and say, you know what, that's not the kind of soil that I need in my life to be fruitful. That if I really want to have fruit, then I've got to do some inventory. You know, there's some things that you have to realize is that you can't do it all and you can't have it all. Just, just think about that. You can't do it all and you can't have it all. I love Ecclesiastes um, chapter 4. It says, better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. You know what, Casey and I have to have regular conversations and we have to ask ourselves, are we being two handful people or one handful people? Am I trying to grab a hold of everything? You know, when you have little kids and they're doing sports and all that kind of stuff and you got school events and, you know, you want your kids to be in stuff and I want, and I want to be out there. Man, my, my boy, he's just entering football season. I love football season. I get to act like I'm one of the coaches. I'm really not. I don't really know a whole lot about coaching football. I just love being out there and hyping them up and getting them all excited. Come on, hit them, man, hit them. I just, I love that atmosphere and I love the cool fall breeze and I love the whistles in the air and, and, and concession hot dogs and all that. So, Anyway, I love that. And I love my kids being involved in that stuff. But you know what? We had to make decisions growing up with our kids that how much would we let that affect this? Like, I want to be out in the community making a difference, but at the same time, I also want to show the community that the reason why I'm out here making a difference is because I'm planted somewhere and we have principles and boundaries and standards in our life that we're not going to forsake this for that. That I, that I don't want to forsake the family of God, and I don't want to forsake church and, and commitments and life groups and all these other things that I feel like are so important. I don't want to forsake that just because I'm busy. That if I don't have time for all that kind of stuff, I might have to do some inventory. Just make some tough decisions and realize that my kids can't do everything. I can't do everything. I'm not living for my kids, and I'm not living for a popularity contest on the PTO. I'm living for God. And even though I want to affect all that and I want to be involved in all that, please hear me. There's a healthy balance there. Man, do all those things and be in all those things. But if you're weighed down today and you're overwhelmed, I'm not saying that you have to quit everything, but your soil's getting thorny. And we wonder why there's no fruit and there's no productivity in my life. And it's because I've allowed these things to come in and choke the very faith and the very fruit of God out of my life. So I, I just have to do some inventory. And then the last thing here is that, and I've mentioned this a couple of times, so roots matter, your soil matters, but did you know what that who you're planted by matters? Who you're planted by matters. I never saw this because I hadn't read all these translations before, but I was reading through these translations, and one of the things it says about this fig tree is it says that it was alone. It was alone. It actually says... And Jesus saw a lone fig tree, by the way. And you know what? I just had to go and just do some research because I'm not a botanist and I'm not, I don't know a whole lot about all these different things. But one of the things that, that I found out was is that there's different varieties of fruit trees. And that depending on the variety, some fruit trees can't bear fruit unless they're planted by other fruit trees. 
because they have to cross-pollinate. That they, they can't be fruitful because they're not being pollinated correctly because they need the pollination from another tree next to them. And, it come, and, and to find out that these fig trees in Israel in this time, this variety that grows there, it needs cross-pollination. And so Jesus was coming along the path and he saw a tree that should have had fruit on it and it was almost like, okay, I can appear to have fruit, I can produce leaves, I can have a good appearance, but I'm empty. And one of the reasons why that tree was empty, according to research, is it was alone and wasn't planted by other fig trees. That the fig trees actually produce the best whenever they're around other fig trees. In order, and so just think about this. We, and I'm going to read some passages of Scripture here, but I want you to realize that as a believer, we're the most fruitful when we're planted by other believers. Now, I know this, I know the, the whole thing about, you know, uh, you know, you don't want to turn your back on your friends in the world. Those of you that are here and you've just come in or you're coming in or you've got friends that are what we would call worldly friends, carnal friends, people that really don't think about God, don't want to live for God. And it's not even just the sin. It's just you just know they're not even in on the radar of wanting to serve God. And you know what? I, I think there's a fine line there. We need to love them and we need to keep extending invitations to them. But I can promise you this, that whenever you're being transplanted into the house of God, that the enemy is trying to keep your roots in the world. He's trying to keep you coming back and moving and keeping your roots back in the past when God's trying to transplant you and get you around other believers because he knows he's designed us as believers to cross-pollinate. He's designed us to get around each other. The Bible says in Psalm 92 that the righteous will flourish in the house of God says that they'll flourish like a palm tree and that they'll be strong like the cedars and that they'll be planted in the house of God. That flourishing, that fruitfulness, you know what it comes from? Being planted by other believers. It's not just a good church service. I need you to follow me here. It's not just a good church service. Those are great. I love good church services. I love prophecy, and I love, you know, the, the music, and I love the altar calls, and all of that is a part of it. It really is. And we do, we do that together. There's a corporate anointing and power in that. But if I walk out of here and I have no other roots grounded next to anybody, if I'm not doing life with other believers, then I'm going to, listen, I'm going to be frustrated because I never seem to bear the fruit that I'm, I'm seeking. That instead of being able to respond the right way to difficult situations, I'm going to constantly find myself being bitter or angry or offended. That I'm always going to be mad at somebody. God's trying to change this in me, but I keep hanging around mad people. God's trying to change this in me, but I keep hanging around bitter people. If the only voices that I hear are people that are mad at the church and mad at God and don't have faith and always doubting and always putting down Christians and always putting down this, then you know what? I can go to church till I'm blue in the face, but I'll always keep producing what I hang around. And I'll be seeking something to change my life, but I'll be sabotaging my own process because I won't get my roots into where God wants me to be next to other people. That's why I love life groups. We do, we call connect groups back home. We do them, we love them. We, we're just getting ready to launch our fall semester as well um, here in just a, a couple of weeks. And, um, and, and we have seen that we, if, if somebody will come into a church, that testimony this morning, th that's the right imagery right there. That's perfect. And it's not because there's just power in all those people and those groups and all that there is, but it's because they got their roots next to other believers. We keep looking for some big, great revelation. I'll give you a really good revelation. Get planted next to other believers. And the word becomes richer. If you go read Mark 4, he says the seed is the word. So the preaching gets better. And I'm reading the Bible, and all of a sudden, things start producing on the inside of me that they weren't before. Why? Because I'm planted next to somebody else. Planted next to Patrick, who's cheering me on, saying, man, your biceps look good today. Thank you, Patrick. I appreciate that, man. 
You're planted next to people who encourage you. Let's, leave, let's, let's look at this. This isn't just imaginary uh, theology. Let's look at what the Word of God says. Let's go to Colossians chapter 2 in verse 19, verse 18 and 19. It says, let no one disqualify you insisting on ascetism and worship of angels, going into detail about visions, puffed up without reason by his uh, sensuous mind, and then verse 19, and not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments grows with a growth that is from God. So what causes the body to grow? The ligaments, the joints, everything that comes together and starts to connect and, and adds its own supply. You've got a supply. You know, you've got a supply that I need all the way from Louisiana, planted in the house of the Lord together. You've got something that I need, and I've got something that you need. And if we don't get together more than just Sundays, we won't get the full effect of everything that we need from each other. Amen? Let's look at Hebrews chapter 24 and 25. Or, I'm sorry, chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. It says this. It says in verse 24, it's, Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more, as you see, the, the day, capital D, the day, the judgment day, drawing near. You know what that tells me? That whenever this was written, that the author of Hebrews was trying to stir up the church to keep getting together and that there was already factions and that were already in place that were trying to say, you know what, it's really not that important. You know, it's really not that big of a deal. You know, we can do this, we can do that. We can. There was already some division happening in the church and so the author of Hebrews, what he was saying is, is no, listen, even as the day gets closer, you've been gathering but let me tell you, you got to do it even more. That's another thing that I love about life groups is, is that for me, a Sunday's just not enough. Like, I, I need some encouragement. I need some people in my life. I, I look forward to it. Are we okay on time? One story? I don't I'm not even looking. I'm so sorry if I'm going late. I don't guess I, am I okay? Okay, just flag me down, hook me off the stage. All right, so here's the thing. I went through a really bad depression in ministry a, a while back. wasn't like last month or anything, but it's, it's been a while. And it, it was actually, it was during a transitional time of mine in ministry. And, and, um, and, and so all I can say is, is that I would come home from church. I even, I'd even, even be asked to preach sometimes, and I could get up and I could preach and I could do things, and I could go to work, and all those things, but what I would do is, is I would come home and get on the couch, and then just sleep, and lay down, I didn't want to talk to my kids, I didn't want to talk to Casey, I didn't, it wasn't that I didn't love them, I just, there was, I, the, the enemy was attacking me, I believe it was, a, it was an attack, it wasn't a chemical thing, it wasn't, some of those things are really valid also, but I, it was a spiritual attack on my life, and I was depressed, but one of the things that I remember going back to that is that every time I would go to church, I had to make myself go. I didn't want to go. And I was on staff. <laughs> Great church. I didn't want to go. But every time I would go, God would set me up with somebody that had no clue what I was doing, going through, but would always have an encouraging word for me. And for that brief moment when I was hanging around people that I didn't want to be around, all of a sudden I'd feel a little lifted up and I'd feel a little encouraged and I'd feel like it was another shot in the arm to help get me through another couple of days. And I just stayed in that process. I didn't tell a whole lot of people. Casey knew what was going on. Actually, Casey came in one day and she's like, look, I've let you lay around for a few weeks and you're either going to go to a doctor and get help or you're going to get up off your butt and you're going to start trying to get better. Thank God for a, a wife who doesn't put up with a bunch of stuff. Amen? And so I got up, and you know what? I, the, the place I turned to were the people of God, the family of God, 
And had it not been for a loving church and loving people that lifted me up and that encouraged me even when they didn't even know that they were. They didn't even know that I was feeding off the fruit of their life to get me through a hard time. And I'm telling you that there's people here today that you've lost the joy of life and you've lost the joy of living and the the authenticity of life. Tired of living fake. Tired of living with a mask on. And the beauty about doing life with family is you get to take the mask off and say, I'm broken. I need some help. I need healing in my life. I need prayer. I am depressed or I am oppressed or anxious or we're going through financial difficulty or I just had a horrible report from the doctor. It's not something to go and keep bottled up in my own home. That's something I need to tell a brother or a sister in the Lord and get them to pray and do life with me and walk through it with me and encourage me through the process. I want you to close your eyes for just a second. You know, several things said today, but we were praying in the office, and Pastor Brett even said it here in a minute, and I feel like there's something specific to pray for, but before I do that, I just want to ask this. If you're here today, and maybe you know that Jesus is not Lord of your life. What does that mean? Well, what that means is, is that you've surrendered your life to Him. If Jesus isn't Lord, and you haven't made him Lord of life, you've not surrendered to him, then there's probably some questions about your eternity. Maybe you're here today and you question that. You're like, you know what? If I was to die right now, I don't even know what would happen to me. I got good news for you. That Number one, God loves you enough that he would orchestrate your life to be here today that he could throw a lifeline out to you so that you wouldn't have to walk out of here questioning ever again your eternal salvation. But even another cool thing is is that there's a weight you're carrying that you don't have to carry that can free your life now. And it can set you free in a way that you've never even imagined. If you don't know Jesus or maybe you're backslidden or you just have broken fellowship and you want to get that right today, will you just shoot your hand up right now and let me pray for you so that you can walk out just free? I see that hand. Anybody else? Say, that's me. I want to be free today. I see that hand. Anybody else? I just want to get things right. I see that hand. Anybody else? I see that hand. That hand. Come on, just let the Holy Spirit speak to your heart. Say, that's me. I got to get things right. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. Come on, I see that hand. The Holy Spirit's doing something. I see that hand. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I'm going to, you know what? Those that raise your hand, I'm going to just want to tell you, you're, 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 it's not just one or two of you, but there's a host of you that said, you know what? I want to just make a decision for Jesus today. And I'm going to ask you just to do something really bold. You know, I do it different ways in different places and different things, but you just got to trust me. I'm going by the leading of the Holy Spirit here. I'm going to ask you, if you raise your hand, I just want you to stand up. Just stand up. Well, I know it takes a lot. It does. It takes a lot. You could be a leader. You could be, you know, lots of different places. You're like, man, I just don't want anybody to see or know. One of the things that breaks weights and breaks the lie of the enemy is you being able to look back on a point of faith that you stood up and said, I made a mark. There was a point of faith in my life, an action of faith that I did. And I'm so proud of you. Here's what I want. Everybody just keep your eyes closed. And I want everybody to just to stand up. Let's just all... Just keep our eyes closed for a second. Just stand up. I want us to pray together. I mean, obviously you can look to stand up, but let's just stay in this attitude of worship. Here's what I want you to do. I want everybody to pray this with me, if you would.
would say, Father, I love you. I know I've messed up. I know I've sinned. And I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for all of my sin. I believe that Jesus is alive today. Jesus, I surrender. I surrender to you today. Thank you for being my Savior, my Lord, my friend, my brother, my healer, my deliverer. I believe that my life is in your hands, that you're going to help me live for you all the days of my life. Everybody say this, say, Lord, I want to be fruitful. I want to help change the world. I want to influence people. I know I'm not perfect, but use me to touch people, to love people. Change me, Lord, from the inside out. In Jesus' name, amen. One last thing, and then you can go eat. One last thing is that there's people here today that you've lost your joy. You've lost your joy. When I was praying this morning, I just kept declaring, Lord, let there just be, Lord, just a spirit of joy. The verse that comes to my mind is, as he says, I'll give you beauty for ashes and a spirit of praise instead of despair. And some of you, you just, you're at a point where I need that. I need something. I'm, I'm, I need some praise in my life. I need a spirit of praise instead of this despair. I'm going to ask you to do something really bold. I want to ask you just to come down here all together right here right in front of me. If that's you, say, I need some joy. I've lost my joy. Maybe you're depressed, depressed. Maybe you're not depressed and you're just like, you know what? I'm just numb. I've lost my joy, my passion. touch a couple of them. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. See, this is the picture right here. It's not me. It's not just one person. I mean, obviously, Jesus, he's amazing. I'm telling you, the family of God is in the image of him. It is the body of Christ. So those people that are touching you today, that are loving on you, that are praying over you today. Listen, I just want you to close your eyes because I want you to know something. There's power in their hands because there's power in the body. And Father, right now in the name of Jesus, we just declare that every assignment and every attack and everything that the enemy has tried to do to steal joy and rob, Lord, there's been traumatic events. Some of y'all, you've had some real traumatic things happen. Some of you, it's been like a deflating tire. Just over time, it's just gone flat. But no matter what it is, we just declare right now in Jesus' name that you're free. That this depression, that this oppression, this anxiety, that this that this attack, this spiritual thing coming against your life, that it's broken today in Jesus' name. We just declare that every secret chamber of your heart that's been wounded, and you've been, some of y'all, you have these secret chambers and you've been holding wounds. And I'm just telling you right now, by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the power of God, that God is reaching in and doing things that only He can do. You thought you'd never be healed. You thought you'd never be able to get past it. But I'm telling you, He's healing. He's restoring. He's renewing. You've got new chapters coming your way. I declare that God does a new thing. He said, look, I'm doing a new thing, new chapters, new seasons, new beginnings, complete restoration and healing in your life in Jesus' name. 
And I just declare that the rivers of living water will flow out of you. I believe right now in the name of Jesus that the Holy Ghost is touching you and that a fresh anointing and that a fresh wind of the Holy Spirit is blowing on your life right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. A fresh, a fresh wind of the Holy Spirit. Oh, Father, I thank you right now that joy comes. That that river provides joy. It provides hope and healing in Jesus' name. Everybody say, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn around and hug somebody. Pastor, y'all, y'all, y'all turn around. Listen, turn around and hug somebody. Love on them. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thanks for listening today. You can keep up with fresh content, find out more about our upcoming events, and give to support Legacy Church all online at LegacyFamily.tv. From all of us here at Legacy Church, have a blessed week.